Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, March 4th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Russian forces occupy Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Stocks drop as the war in Ukraine escalates. Commodities wrap up a historic week as oil and metals soar. And investors look ahead to the February jobs report. New York City Mayor Adams could announce today easing COVID restrictions. Plus, the blowback from Moscow's invasion in Ukraine hits Russian-connected gas stations in Newark. I'm Michael bar more ahead i'm john stanshower in sports kevin durant returned to the next lineup they still lost to the heat in brooklyn the islanders lost to vancouver that's all straight ahead on bloomberg daybreak on bloomberg 1130 new york bloomberg 991 washington dc bloomberg 1061 boston bloomberg 960 san francisco sirius xm 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning as war risks intensify. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 35 points. Dow futures down 264. NASDAQ futures down 106. The DAX in Germany is down 3.4%. The 10-year Treasury up 1930 seconds, yield 1.77%, and a yield on the two-year at 1.47%. Nathan. All right, Karen. We'll get back to markets in a minute, but the stakes have been raised even higher in Russia's war with Ukraine. Russian forces are now occupying Europe's largest nuclear plant after shelling at the facility overnight sparked a fire. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Europe needs to wake up. If there is an explosion, that's the end for everyone, the end for Europe, the evacuation of Europe. Only urgent action by Europe can stop the Russian troops. Do not allow the death of Europe from a catastrophe at a nuclear power station. President Zelensky is appealing to Russian President Vladimir Putin to meet with him as the only way to stop the war. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the world stands ready to assist Ukraine. We seek no conflict, but if conflict comes to us, we're ready for it, and we will defend every inch of NATO territory. Secretary Blinken is meeting with NATO ministers in Brussels. The White House says President Biden is being briefed on the situation, but right now the U.S. says it's not detecting elevated radiation levels at the nuclear site. Meanwhile, Nathan, the rush to flee Ukraine is for some very tough decisions for more than a million people. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has more. Over a million people with a forecast of possibly four million more refugees. And Neil Shaker, the international deputy director of Refugee International, tells Bloomberg families are being split up. Um, sometimes if it's just a father puts this child on a bus and he arrives in Poland, the, the father may stay to help. So unaccompanied children are arriving and they need extra protections. And some of these are only on 14-day temporary visas. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thanks. As the U.S. and allies choke off investor demand for Russian assets, parts of Wall Street are jumping on the buying opportunity. Sources say Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase have been purchasing beaten-down company bonds tied to Russia in recent days. 
Well, Nathan, the Russian stock market remains closed while stocks in Europe plunge over the latest developments in Ukraine. And we go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Max Ramsey. Max. Morning to you, Karen and Nathan. Another day of losses in Europe. The price action is pretty punishing across the continent today. The stock 600 falls 2.9%. The FTSE 100 down 3%. And the DAX in Germany leads losses down 3.7%. We see this risk-off move in bond markets as well. The German 10-year bond yield falling 5 basis points, negative 0.03% the yield there. As you mentioned, the Russian stock market remains shut and will stay so until at least Wednesday. It's a record in the country's modern history. They're looking to safeguard domestic investors from the effects of these sanctions. Live from London, Max Ramsey, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Max. We also saw losses in Asia overnight. Let's get that recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell to a fresh 16-month low, weighed down by losses in Japan and Hong Kong. The Nikkei 225 paired earlier losses of as much as 3%. It closed lower by 2.2% in Tokyo. Chinese tech players were dumped, with an index of tech shares listed in Hong Kong falling to its lowest since inception, and the H-Shares Index is trading near a six-year low. Over the course of the week, the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell by as much as 1.8%, its third weekly loss. In Singapore, Juliet's Sally, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Juliet. Commodities are wrapping up a historic week as Russia's invasion of Ukraine royals markets. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Soaring commodities prices from crude to aluminum and wheat are adding to hot inflationary pressures. That's hurting consumers and fueling concerns over an economic slowdown. As a result, the Bloomberg Commodity Spot Index has rallied more than 9% this week. Oil is heading for its biggest weekly surge in almost two years. Brent crude, which is almost, it almost hit $120 yesterday. It's now trading at just over $112 a barrel. Prices for wheat, aluminum, nickel, and crude are all expected to continue rising. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Despite the surge in oil prices and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Fed Chair Jay Powell is sticking to plans to raise rates beginning later this month. I would be recommending and supporting a, a, a a one quarter of 1% interest rate increase at our March meeting. If we don't see inflation behaving as we expect it to behave, which is to peak and begin to come down, if we see inflation behaving in ways not consistent with that, then we're prepared to raise by more than that amount in a, in a meeting or meetings. Fed Chair Jay Powell reiterated the rate hike plan during two days of congressional testimony. The Fed's two-day policy meeting begins March 15th. Well, Nathan, the Fed's next major economic data point comes later this morning with the release of the February jobs report. And we get a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The consensus is that as the Omicron COVID variant faded in February, hiring probably picked up. Analysts forecast another large gain in jobs restored and a drop in the unemployment rate back below 4%. Although the Russian war will cap the impact of this employment report, Federal Reserve officials will be interested in the strength of hourly earnings as they watch for signs high inflation may be becoming embedded in the economy. The Fed is also interested in the labor force participation rate, how many people are out looking for a job. This week, Chairman Jay Powell told Congress policymakers don't know why so many people are staying home, but he expressed hope that hiring will pick up as COVID eases. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Mike, thanks. S&P futures down 35 points, Dow futures down 268, NASDAQ futures lower by 100 points. The 10-year Treasury up 18.30 seconds, the yield 1.77%. NYMEX crude up 2.2% at $110.08 a barrel, the euro at 110 to the dollar. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're 21 degrees in Central Park. Avoid the FDR Drive, a vehicle fire on the northbound side as uh, causing serious delays. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. This could be a big day in New York City's progress against COVID-19. Mayor Eric Adams could announce as soon as today to lift mask mandates in schools and vaccination requirements in restaurants, bars, and theaters. While infections, hospitalizations, and deaths continue to move Adams, it could signal a turning point in the pandemic to a return to normalcy if he makes the decision today. Meanwhile, New York City's health department says COVID hospitalizations saw the biggest racial gap during Omicron. Black New Yorkers were hospitalized at two times the rate of white New Yorkers during the winter Omicron surge. Gas prices have shot up across the country due in large part to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's causing a sharp rise in oil prices. In North Carolina, for example, the price of a gallon of regular at an Exxon gas station in Raleigh hit close to $4.20. This Raleigh mom says even her teenagers are feeling the pinch. I have kids that just started driving. I know that they're loving the experience, but even they are completely overwhelmed by the end of their paycheck. You know, how do I get back and forth to work? Los Angeles is now averaging more than $5. Outraged by the invasion of Ukraine, lawmakers in New Jersey's largest city took aim at the Russian franchised Luke Oil gas stations. The Newark City Council voted unanimously to suspend the service station's operating licenses, citing Luke Oil's base in Moscow. However, the stations are franchises owned by locals, not Russians, and they employ mostly New Jersey residents. President Biden signed bipartisan legislation that prohibits the use of forced arbitration in sexual assault and harassment claims in the workplace. President Biden says the Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Harassment Act ends a secretive practice that is often used to shield perpetrators from full and public accountability. There will be cases where victims want their claims resolved in private, but some survivors will want their day in court, and that should be their choice and nobody else's choice. The president says the new law profoundly changes the way businesses handle sexual abuse allegations. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Welcome back. Kevin Durant, first game for the Nets after missing 21 with a knee injury. Same old KD, 31 points in 35 minutes. But the Nets lost at Barclays to East leading Miami, 113-107. The Heat were coming off a blown lead, a one-point loss the night before in Milwaukee. They gave three starters the night off, but Bam Adebayo played. He scored 30, and the Nets have now lost 16 of their last 19 to drop down to 500. They play... Sunday in Boston, the Celtics just beat Memphis. They've won 13 of 15. The Knicks, like the Nets, losers of 16 of the last 19. And talk about it not getting any easier. Knicks tonight in Phoenix. The Suns are an NBA best, 50 and 12. At the UBS Arena, Islanders had a third period lead. Vancouver, two goals, 45 seconds apart, midway through the third. The Canucks won 4 to 3, so they went 2 and 1 on their tour of the three New York area teams. The Isles have now lost eight of the last 11. College hoops, rare loss for Iona in Riverdale. Manhattan scored with a second left, one by two. Iona has dominated the MAC, but needs to win the upcoming conference tournament to gain entry to the NCAA. The big college basketball story is the game tomorrow. North Carolina at Duke. 
final home game for Duke's legendary coach, Mike Krzyzewski. I've tried never to look in the past too much or, or in the future, but, uh, you know, a little bit of thinking yesterday, it's your last game in Cameron, right? It's crazy, you know, how how did that happen? He coached at Duke for 42 years, most wins in NCAA history. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. S&P futures now down 34 points. Dow futures down 266. NASDAQ futures are lower by 93 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 1.77%. The euro now at 1.0995 against the dollar. Lowest level since May of 2020. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit a tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are falling along with U.S. stock index futures this morning as war risks intensify after a Ukrainian nuclear power plant briefly caught fire. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures down 40 points. Dow futures down 308. NASDAQ futures down 122. The DAX in Germany is down 3.6%. The 10-year Treasury up 1832 seconds, yield 1.77%. The yield on the two-year, 1.49%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2%, up $2.19 at $109.87 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 7 tenths percent or $13.40 at $19.49.50 an ounce. The euro, 1.0985 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3296. The yen is at 115.35. And checking Bitcoin this morning, lower down 1.1%. It's at $41,630. And today, of course, we're watching for the February jobs report. It's out at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Darren, thank you very much. Ukrainian authorities say a fire in Europe's biggest nuclear plant ignited by Russian shelling has been extinguished and that Russian forces have taken control of the site. Ukraine's state nuclear regulator says so far no changes in radiation levels have been recorded. Donald Trump Jr.'s fiancée has been subpoenaed to testify before the House January 6th committee. The subpoena says Kimberly Guilfoyle met with Donald Trump at the White House, spoke at the rally before the January 6th riot, and helped organize and raise money for the event. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost. The Celtics won. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. The Bruins and Capitals won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we continue to monitor developments around the war in Ukraine, we're very pleased to be joined this morning by Andy Blocker. He's the global head of public policy, head of U.S. government affairs at Invesco. Andy, it's great to speak with you again this morning as we watch uh, NATO ministers meeting in Brussels right now. Just to get our listeners up to speed, the United Kingdom's foreign minister is now calling for an urgent U.N. Security Council meeting after the uh, shelling of the nuclear plant in Ukraine, Europe's largest nuclear facility. Does this attack change the way the U.S. and Europe approach Russia in this war? 
Well, Nathan, look, the, the U.S. and the Europe have really been very, very strong up to this point and ratcheting up sanctions to a level that at the beginning of this didn't think they would do with, with some banks being denied access to SWIFT, with the Russian Central Bank, even Switzerland joining in, given their neutrality. So, yes, they've done a lot until now, but I don't think this particular incident will change what the U.S. is doing. I mean, you saw the U.S. doing um, oligarchs as far as going after them and considering other options like oil and gas, which the administration is not for now. So that incident will not in and of itself do. I think we're ratcheting up regardless. Push back a bit. Uh, you mentioned the uh, oil and gas still not under sanction. There are quite a few observers who say that the U.S. and Europe should be targeting Russia's oil and gas to cut off financing of the war even further. What would it take to uh, get the allies to make that step? Is it a step that should be taken? So on that, I think the the, the the whole back there is that right now Europe is not willing to go that far. I mean, as you know, Europe is much more reliant on Russian oil and gas than the U.S. I think it's, what, 27% reliance on Russian oil and 40% reliance on Russian gas in Europe. We're much smaller. I think it's 4 to 5%. In the U.S., it's actually a possibility. I mean, not only is Senator Manchin and Republicans in favor of banning um, Russian oil, um, but Speaker Pelosi's made comments. So that is a lot of pressure. The, the administration's holding back right now. And they're resisting this mostly because they don't want to do anything that will exacerbate an already tenuous inflation situation. So that remains to be seen how that goes. It may take an act of Congress to push the administration in that direction. And there's some uh, pressure on the administration, I think, to consider boosting domestic production. Is that is there any appetite at the White House to do that? I think on some level there would be some. Um, I think Senator Manchin's proposal is to, to ban – uh, Russian oil while also increasing production of oil, gas, and coal, along with clean energy. Um, I'm not sure how environmentalists will look at that, but that's the debate right now. Are there off-ramps for President Putin that you can see right now? What effect are the, the sanctions having at this point, the targeting of uh, not just the banks, but the oligarchs right now? So that's the big question, Nathan. Um what is his off-ramp? I think his conversation with Macron uh, yesterday is, is disheartening for those who think he's going to um, back down. He's saying we're moving full steam ahead, and I think this is going to be a long, bloody siege and war with Ukraine. So if he goes down that path, if he's on that path, there is no off-ramp. Um, and I think the Russian people ultimately are going to uh, suffer. They've already suffered greatly um, with some of the central bank and the, and the bank sanctions and um, – so uh, I think it gets worse before it gets better. I wanted to ask a little bit further. What does the targeting, the, or the at least the shelling of large nuclear sites now in Ukraine tell you about where this war could be going, what Russia's strategy could be? Um, this is – Russia's going after the infrastructure of, of Ukraine. They're going to do it's, – it's almost a siege-type um, approach where they're just going to wait them out and just pretty much destroy the country. So I, I think they're, they're trying to take over every um, central, whether it's energy, whether it's communications, everything. They're trying to do everything they can to debilitate the country. And um, it's, it's interesting that at one point Putin can say, hey, Ukrainians are Russians, yet he would, he would do all of this um, horrific things to the country. About 30 seconds left. Is there anything further that you can see that the allies in the U.S. can do right now to help Ukraine? 
Well, they are doing a lot as far as um, helping them um, with armaments. You've seen Germany uh, reverse on its longstanding policy of banning the export of weapons into a conflict zone. You've seen Sweden as well come in and do the same thing as well as the EU. So they're doing what they can. The U.S. is, is sharing intelligence to help them. Um, and there's humanitarian aid, but as far as reversal of this um, slow march to taking over Ukraine, that's really on Putin at this point. I think um, I'm not sure that Ukrainians can hold them off in the long term. Andy Blocker, thank you for your insights. Andy Blocker is head of global public policy, head of U.S. government affairs at Invesco. Futures moving lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine upper 30s today, clouds and upper 40s tomorrow. Scattered showers, breezy and mild for Sunday with a high near 65 degrees right now, 21 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions just 12 to 18 basis points and no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Up first, Russia now occupying the largest nuclear site in Europe. Overnight shelling started a fire at the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Ukrainian Energy Minister Herman Halushenko tells us this raises the stakes in the war. One example of Zaporizhia could be repeated in in, uh, in the other stations, uh, on the other units, and, and that's why we ask for clothing the sky. We, we don't see any other possibilities. Herman Haloshenko spoke on Bloomberg Television. The U.S. Energy Department says it's activated its nuclear incident response team, but right now it doesn't see elevated radiation levels. Well, U.S. futures and stocks overseas are falling as the war escalates. Karen, right now S&P 500 futures are down uh, three-quarters of one percent. Major European averages and stocks in Asia are lower between two and three percent. And commodities are wrapping up a historic week, Nathan, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine roils markets. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Soaring commodities prices from crude to aluminum and wheat are adding to hot inflationary pressures. That's hurting consumers and fueling concerns over an economic slowdown. Oil is heading for its biggest weekly surge in almost two years. Brent crude, which almost hit $120 yesterday, is trading at around $110 right now. Prices for wheat, aluminum, nickel, and crude are all expected to continue rising. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thanks. And investors are also bracing for the February jobs report. We get a preview of that from Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice. U.S. payroll growth probably topped 400,000 in February. That would follow a solid January gain of 467,000. Bloomberg Economics says workers have incentive to return after the pandemic, citing rising wages as well as the end of emergency assistance. Labor shortages persist, and the number of workers collecting unemployment benefits is at a half-century low. Vinnie Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Vinny, thank you. Well, turning to stocks on the move, shares of Smith & Wesson are down 23%. The gunmaker's third quarter sales missing analyst estimates. And Gap is up more than 6.5%. The retailer giving an optimistic projection for the current year. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. It is currently, well, S&P futures are down about 35 points right now. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It is currently 6.33 on Wall Street. We're 21 degrees in Central Park. It's still dealing with the after effects of a serious vehicle fire on northbound FDR Drive. Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. An important milestone in New York City's progress against COVID-19 could soon arrive when Mayor Eric Adams lifts mask mandates in schools and vaccination requirements in restaurants, bars, and theaters. The mayor says the decision could come as soon as today, a long-awaited development in a city that was once the epicenter of a deadly pandemic. While infections, hospitalizations, and deaths continue, the move by Adams could signal a turning point in the pandemic by firmly shifting the focus on recovery and a return to normalcy. Outrage by the invasion of Ukraine lawmakers in New Jersey's largest city lashed out at symbols of Russia in their city, a pair of Luke Oil gas stations, The Newark City Council voted unanimously to suspend the service station's operating licenses, citing Luke Oil's base in Moscow. However, the stations are franchises owned by locals, not Russians, and they employ mostly New Jersey residents. President Biden has signed a law preventing companies from forcing sexual assault or harassment victims into secret arbitration and settlements. Between half and three-quarters of all women report that they have faced some form of sexual harassment in the workplace. And too often, they're denied a voice and a fair chance to do anything about it. Vice President Kamala Harris also made the announcement with the president. Forced arbitration silences survivors of sexual assault and harassment. It shields predators instead of holding them accountable and gives corporations a powerful tool to hide abuse and misconduct. Harris and President Biden praised both parties for the measure. For now, Donald Trump and two of his children won't have to appear for depositions in New York Attorney General Letitia James's probe of their family's business while they challenge a decision requiring them to testify. The former president, Donald Trump Jr., and Ivanka Trump appealed a state judge's order issuing last month that forced them to give testimony in James's investigation into potentially fraudulent asset valuations at the Trump organization. Yesterday, James and the Trumps agreed that they will not have to appear until two weeks after an appellate panel in Manhattan upholds the order. Governor Phil Murphy is including property tax relief checks in the annual spending plan he will introduce next week with an average $700 plan for New Jersey homeowners making as much as $250,000 a year. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tech. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stash has got the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. Knicks and Nets have the exact same record over their last 19 games, and it's not good. 3-16. and 16. Nets, for the most part, because of the Kevin Durant knee injury. He did return last night at Barclays, his first game in 47 days. Nets still lost to Miami, 113-107. to 107. KD scored 31 points. I feel great. I feel great. I'm only going to get better, more comfortable out there. Um... You know, take more of a load out there too. Uh, pause. When I get um, 
when I get you know more games under my belt. So, um, so solid. Nets visit Boston Sunday. Another loss drops them under 500. Knicks are in Phoenix tonight. The Suns are 50 and 12. They're 23 games ahead of the Lakers, who just got blown out by the Clippers. Dallas beats slumping Golden State. Luka Doncic 41 points, a near triple double. The Warriors have lost five of the last six. Islanders have lost eight of 11, beaten at home by Vancouver 4 to 3. College hoops upset my Manhattan. By two over Iona. Duke hosts North Carolina tomorrow. Over 42 years, Mike Krzyzewski has coached over 200 players. They've all been invited back for Coach K's final ever home game. The NFL says there will be no COVID protocols for 2022, starting with the offseason activities. France has eased its vaccine rules. That may allow Novak Djokovic to play the French Open. Rory McIlroy loves playing Bay Hill. He's been in the top ten five straight years in an opening round Seven under 65. McElroy has a two-shot lead. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta joins us at the end of a very volatile week. Good morning, Kriti. Well, good morning. Yeah, a lot of red on the screen. Of course, a, a lot of this has to just come with fluctuations that you're seeing uh, with the nuclear plant story in Ukraine, the latest uh, kind of developments coming out of that uh, war, essentially. The issue with futures, actually, is you saw this uh, actually open in the green. Then you saw a massive drop when those headlines of the nuclear plant came out. And then a reversal when the fire was finally able to put out. But nevertheless, you are seeing a very risk-off sentiment in the markets. Let's get you some individual movers, though, because tech is actually – Performing not as badly. I don't want to say outperform, but performing not as badly as the rest of the market. Apple will use as a proxy here. AAPL is your ticker. Up, uh, or I should say down, nine-tenths of a percent. AMD, which is another semis uh, company, uh, is down 1.1%. That's compared to some of the bigger kind of moves that you're seeing in some of the very heavy volume names. Remember those volatility plays like travel names. Carnival Cruise Lines at the top of that list. CCL is the ticker there. Down a whopping 4.4%. American Airlines, A. AAL is a ticker there, down 2.3%. Just kind of giving you both sides of the spectrum here because those travel names are the most volatile names in the index just given the COVID-19 pandemic anyway. So when you do see a risk-off tone like this, the biggest hit tends to be in those names, Nathan. Of course, in the risk-off mornings we've seen this week, it seemed like the only upside movers have been ones related to the energy sector. And we're seeing a surge in oil prices again this morning. Is that what's playing out again today? It absolutely is. I mean, check out some of the really just a handful of names. I'm seeing only 10 stocks. They're actually higher in uh, in pre-market trading. Uh, let's start with uh, some of those oil stocks. Like you mentioned, Valero, for example, VLO is your ticker, up uh, 1.1%. Remember, this does have some Russian energy exposure to it, so you do want to keep an eye on this name. Devon Energy as well, DVN, up 8 tenths of a percent. But then you have some of the other commodity names as well, FCX, Freeport McMoran, of course, the major uh, copper player, up uh, 8 tenths of a percent. Mosaic as well, the major fertilizer maker that gets a lot of their business from Russia. MOS is your ticker there, up nine-tenths of a percent. Defense names like Raytheon, RTX, up 1.7%. I'm going to end here with EPAM Systems. This is a software company that actually has 14,000 personnel in Ukraine, 18,000 Russia and Belarus. They had a major hit earlier on Monday when they withdrew their guidance, essentially saying that because of the uncertainty in the region, they couldn't predict what was next, took a major hit earlier this week. And now you're seeing a little bit of a cat bounce or a dead cat mm. bounce, I should say, yeah. today. 
up just shy of 2%, Nathan. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. So great to have you keeping us up to speed on what's happening in the market as we continue to watch this intensifying war in Ukraine. Right now, S&P futures are down 38 points. Dow futures down 290. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 120 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 17.30 seconds. The yield 1.78%. The euro right now 1.0976 against the dollar. That is near a two-year low. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny upper 30s. Today it'll turn cloudy to start the weekend. Saturday highs in the upper 40s. Mid-60s by Sunday with scattered showers. Right now 21 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are lower this morning. Let's go to the first word. Breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure amid Ukraine worries. Dow futures currently down 271 points. S&P shop 35, while Nasdaq futures are off by 104. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.78%. Gold is up 10. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is down by 1%. Japan fell 2.2% overnight, while European markets are under pressure, led by 4% losses in Italy. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, U.S. February jobs report. After the bell last night, Costco sales beat estimates and Broadcom Q2 revenue beat estimates. In other news, private equity built a 7.5% stake in Splunk worth about $1.4 billion. Wrapping things up, C3AI was cut to sell at Deutsche Bank. Splunk was raised to outperform over at Daiwa. Live from the First Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russian forces occupy the site of Europe's largest nuclear power plant today after an attack that ignited a fire at the complex in Ukraine. Emergency services extinguished the fire and there were no casualties. Ukraine told the International Atomic Energy Agency the incident had not affected essential equipment and there had been no change reported in radiation levels. The Winter Paralympics are set to open in Beijing today with Russian athletes sent home. Meanwhile, with the Ukrainian team escaping a war zone, the head of the delegation says it's a miracle they got to China. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors lost, the Celtics won. In the NHL, the Islanders lost, the Bruins and Capitals won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Aaron. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. 649 on Wall Street, and we turn to news now in science and technology with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes infrastructure-ready graduates from civil engineers to transportation specialists. If it's infrastructure, NJIT grads are building it. More at NJIT.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Two big names in Japanese electronics and autos are joining forces to produce an electric vehicle 
vehicle together. Sony Group and Honda Motor have agreed to set up a joint venture this year to start selling an electric vehicle by 2025. All the world's automakers have been developing zero emissions electric vehicles as concerns grow about pollution and climate change. The U.S. government's annual safety ratings of cars may soon give them credit for having driver assistance systems. It's the latest indication that the once futuristic technology is becoming mainstream. The Department of Transportation proposed that lane-keeping support, automatic emergency braking, blind spot detection, and blind spot intervention be incorporated into its five-star safety ratings program for new cars. And Apple will begin to drop its mass requirement for both corporate and retail employees in the U.S. as COVID cases decline and local governments loosen restrictions. The company told staff that masks for vaccinated corporate employees are now optional at offices in regions where local indoor mask mandates have been eliminated. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thank you, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's almost uh, 6.51 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the White House monitoring the situation after Russia fires on and occupies Europe's biggest nuclear plant in Ukraine. The Biden administration slapping sanctions on eight wealthy Russians and their families and the White House balking at a ban on Russian oil, sparking a new feud with Congress. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins as we continue watching developments in the war in Ukraine. Of course, Emily, we had that attack on the uh, southeastern Ukrainian nuclear site overnight, and Russia is now occupying it. What's the latest there and how the U.S. is responding? So we have heard that the fire has been put out, um, that radiation levels are normal, or at least the fire, if not put out, has been contained. And so the threat level there has gone down a, a bit. But yes, it has been uh, taken over and is held by the Russians. I think really the concern here is that they would even target a nuclear plant, just the level of danger that that would bring about. A Ukrainian President Zelensky said if there is an explosion, uh, quote, it's the end of everything, the end of Europe. And you're hearing similar rhetoric uh, from across the world, uh, from Boris Johnson, from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, just a a lot of fear about what could have happened had more key parts of this nuclear facility uh, caught on fire uh, or been hurt in the attacks. Um, So that's certainly uh, something that's been top of mind. and, And it really comes as there is this wider debate in Washington unfolding about what needs to happen in terms of energy. I mean, specifically with the energy, the oil and gas that the U.S. buys from Russia and whether or not there should be a ban on that. Yeah, it does feel like something that raises the stakes when it comes to the danger from this war. Does it change the focus for the U.S. and Europe in terms of how to respond to Russia? I mean, at this point, we haven't seen any sort of concrete change come from it. We did see uh, that there was a Ukrainian energy minister called for a no-fly zone over Ukraine, but that does not seem likely because, you know, as the U.S. and NATO have explained, uh, establishing that no-fly zone would mean per- per engaging in, in shooting down Russian planes, and, and that could lead to a much wider war across Europe. Uh, so at this point, there doesn't seem to be any particular change there, but, you know, obviously these these attacks occurred later in the evening. you got Washington waking up right now. It'll be very interesting to monitor the situation today and to see uh, what sort of response there will be. And you mentioned it comes amid the debate over whether to target Russian oil and gas in terms of sanctions. We got that sanctions announcement yesterday from the Biden administration against Russian oligarchs. Uh, are we seeing that have any effect at this point? 
At this point, it's probably a little too soon to tell whether or not these sanctions on the oligarchs are having the intended effect, which is, of course, to move them further away from Putin, to really chip into Putin's inner circle. Uh, we have seen some signs that some of these oligarchs have been trying to distance themselves a little bit from Putin. But I think when you're looking at the, the sanctions that are really going to have the most impact, I think more people are keeping an eye on the economic sanctions um, rather than the ones that are targeting Putin's inner circle. And one of those economic sanctions that's still uh, ostensibly, I guess, on the table, at least the White House has said, is targeting Russian oil and gas. But it seems like there's been a reluctance to go that far. Uh, what's the pressure that the White House is facing right now when it comes to potentially taking aim at the energy sector in Russia? Well, the White House is facing a lot of uh, pressure right now to ban U.S. imports of Russian oil. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked about a potential ban yesterday during her presser. She did not mince words. She said, I'm all for that. Ban it. And that is goes against kind of what the white, where the White House is at right now. They've said that doing such a ban, you know, could hurt Americans, could hurt gas, could further increase gas prices in the U.S. But there's a bipartisanship building around this issue. You saw legislation introduced that would implement a ban from both uh, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. And pressure is also coming to the White House via oil executives asking Biden to support the shell industry and that this is a time that the the U.S. really needs to go all in on its energy sources to keep from relying on Russia. Yeah, it was interesting to hear from some of those oil executives saying they haven't even had a conversation yet with the president or anyone at the White House when it comes to supporting U.S. shale. Uh, could there be any movement uh, on that score from the White House? Well, the White House hasn't exactly been uh, BFFs with the shell producers. I mean, okay. Biden, you know, he 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 really does did come in looking to enact a, a sort of green climate agenda uh, with clean energy. Uh, and so you haven't seen a, a lot of support for that. But it will be very notable to see how this conflict and how the current situation might wind up changing that relationship. And it does certainly seem like this conflict is escalating very quickly, only about a week and a half since the invasion. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, thank you for keeping us up to speed on what's happening from the perspective of the nation's capital. And you can read much more at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio when you're in Washington, D.C. It's at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Karen. All right, Nathan, it is 6.56 on Wall Street, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak, and March is Women's History Month, and every day this month we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now, with your installment for March 4th, here is Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in women's history in 1933, Frances Perkins is sworn in as U.S. Secretary of Labor, making her the first female member of a U.S. presidential cabinet. She served under President Franklin Roosevelt. Prior to the White House, Perkins tirelessly fought for workers' rights and safety in various New York City and state agencies. She was one of two cabinet members who served for the entirety of the Roosevelt administration. Perkins played an active role in developing and enacting a wide range of New Deal programs, including the Social Security Act and the Fair Labor Standards Act. She also pushed for a minimum wage, a maximum work week, and a limit on employment of children under 16. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. 
right, Renita, thank you. And we continue to watch currencies this morning with the euro extending its decline below a dollar ten for the first time since May 2020. Currently at right now, uh, 1.0979 against the dollar. The yen is at 115.36. And uh, the British pound is at 1.3290. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrell, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.